Welcome to Orla's Happy Hormones Podcast. I'm Orla, your resident tree-hugging, lemon-sucking, garlic-crushing hippie. Talking all things female health and wellness. I hope you enjoy. Hey, and welcome to episode 70 of Orla's Happy Hormones Podcast. And... I know this sounds strange, but for some reason, I feel like I've hit kind of a milestone by hitting 70. I don't know why 70 is there in my head, but I'm just like, I can't believe I'm recording my 70th episode of the podcast. (laughs) And I'm, one, I'm actually really proud of myself. It's something that scared the living bejesus out of me doing it. I remember when I was told to start doing one by a good friend of mine and I was like, oh, I don't know, I'm not good at public speaking. I'm just not. And it was, it was either February or March last year when I started doing it. And I I could never imagine getting past a certain number, even 50, like. But for some reason... The 70 is kind of hitting home at me today. And I'm... I am quite proud of myself. (laughs) And I know self-praise is no praise and all that jazz. But you know what? Sometimes we have to give ourselves a clap on the back for persevering with things. Especially when... Life gets in the way of so many different things. Especially in the last... This last year. 2020. It's been one of those years where it's been one thing after another for everyone it's for the collective for everyone individually it's a year that's shifting our our foundations it's a year that is testing us it's a year that's pushing our buttons that's making us look at ourselves look at the world looking at everything and for me personally look I'm always as honest as I can be when I'm talking on the podcast but for me it's like when the shit hits the fan I'm someone who tends to go into overwhelm and when I go into overwhelm I I shut down and I find it hard to to concentrate to be productive to to get shit done really and yeah I've taken a few breaks here and there but at the same time I'm like yay I'm made it to 70 and again I don't know why that number is significant Seven seems to be a significant significant number for me. I don't know why. It always has been. Four, seven, and eleven. They're kind of my numbers. I think everybody has numbers. I'm delving into the woo-woo there. I'll try and pull it back a bit. But anyway, so this week for our seventieth episode, I if for anyone who follows my Instagram and Facebook, you you would have seen that this week I've had a theme of vaginas and I've had some funny DMs into me about my posts and they're interesting <laughs> but it those funny DMs you know people sexualizing it like I, I even, I spoke to my mother about, like I speak to my mom about everything. And 
I was telling her about, you know, I'm focusing on vaginas, really want to just go into the the nitty gritty of it all, whatever. But like I'm I don't think I'm ever vulgar with it. I don't think I'm I'm ever crass with it. It's just basic information. And then getting the DMs, I was like, wow, we're not allowed to talk about vaginas or penises without it automatically becoming a sexual thing. Now, I understand they are our intimate areas and it's how we procreate, it's how we make love, it's how we bring new life into the world. But at the same time, it's like, it's just part of our bodies. It's just another part of our body. And it's a very special part. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not that it, not a special part, but it's it's our sacred space. It is our most intimate area. And we deserve to be able to talk about it without it being a joke or a taboo or something that needs to be spoken about in hushed voices because it's a very important part of our anatomy and even online doing all the posts around vaginas I got shadow banned (laughs) nobody was seeing the posts and somebody asked me a question a couple of weeks ago on my Instagram Q&A about vaginas. They asked me why it was that I, or it was about sex actually, why did I spell sex S dot X? Was it an Instagram thing? And I'm like, yeah, completely is an Instagram thing. Because you will get shadow banned. And my response was that. And also I rather... I rather alter the spelling to get the message out because I think it's so important to actually be able to talk about these things. So if I have to misspell something, I'm going to misspell it so that more people will see it. But this week I didn't. I was very conscious and aware of the vagina deserves to be spelled properly. Or vaginas deserve attention and I know that sounds a bit daft not daft but out there but they do they deserve to be talked about they're very powerful things Betty White has an amazing quote why do people say grow some balls balls are weak and sensitive if you want to be tough grow a vagina those things can take a pounding and it's so true like they literally take a pounding to have a vagina means you are tough you're you're tough but you're also soft you have the duality of being able to take that pounding but also keep yourself soft our vaginas are really are magical things so i'm going to focus on three aspects of the vagina today I'm going to be looking into the anatomy just going to talk a little bit about the anatomy because so many women don't actually realize the structure of the vagina and how how diverse not diverse but how complex it is and it is very complex and then I'm going to go into the myths around vaginas 
and then into a bit of the sacred feminine aspect because I think that's really important well I think it is really important for women in general it's something that has become quite important for me recently it's showing my my sacred feminine a lot of TLC right now giving it bringing my awareness to it or to her should I say bringing my awareness to her bringing my awareness to things that have happened to her or for her and bringing my awareness around the connection between my sacred space and my heart and my overall being so I'm going to dive into those three areas for this So when it comes to the anatomy of the of the vagina, and I know I'm saying vagina a lot, so just kind of get used to me saying vagina. So vagina, vagina, vagina. So just I hope that desensitizes you a bit. <laughs> but the anatomy of her is is quite complex, and there are so many different types of. There's actually nine different types of vaginas. Um, they all look different. It just like everybody's body is different. Everybody's vagina is different. It's unique to yourself. There is no such thing as it being too big or too small. It's it's just how it looks. And it's unique to you. And it's learning to love and accept that about yourself. So when it comes to the structure of it, we have... We'll start with the outer area. So we have the, the labia. So actually, technically... The vagina is actually the inner canal. It's an, an, the, the elastic muscles of the opening of the cervix to the womb. And that's what vag- the vagina is actually known as. Whereas the outer area of your vagina is known as the vulva. So being anatomically correct when we're speaking about the aesthetics, it's actually the vulva that we're looking at. And the vulva consists of your labia major, your labia minor, your urethral opening, your vaginal opening, your vulva vestibule, and your clitoris and your clitoral hood. Now, when we're looking at the vulva, so your labia major, they're the outer lips. They're the ones that kind of, for some women, they don't encompass the, or not encompass, they don't cover the inner lips completely for some women they do again there's nine different types of vaginas and for a lot of women one labia will be larger than the other so either your left or your right will be larger or thicker than the other it can hang down it can curl inwards it can cover your your opening for some women it doesn't for some women their labia minor is actually longer and comes out past the labia major so those outer lips so the labia minor then are the inner lips and these are what will surround the likes of your clitoris and your urethral opening and the vaginal opening and then inside the labia minor we have the 
vulva vestibulae. And these are the muscles that are right on the outside of your vaginal opening. And then we have the clitoris. And then we also have what's known as the clitoris hood. And a lot of women don't actually realize that we have a hood on our clitoris. And for a lot of women during sex, again, this is something that they're not aware of, that the clitoris hood for some women can fold over on top of their clitoris. For others, it doesn't fold over, but it's still a bit of a protective barrier there. And during sex, to get full-on clitoral stimulation, you need to pull that clitoris hood up. Now, I'm not saying that you need to dig your finger in and and lift a flap. I'm saying that all you need to do is go down to your pelvic bone area and put a bit of pressure in and pull the skin up and that will automatically lift the hood up. When it comes to the clitoris, the clitoris is like that the bean as we know it most commonly as. That is literally the tip of the iceberg. That is the smallest part of the clitoris that is visible. The clitoris actually is a wishbone shape and it's in internally it is actually quite large and it can reach from the just underneath the pubic bone and it goes down around the vestibule internally so a lot of women when they are having sex and they're going for climax they don't need direct stimulation on the clitoris some women do some women don't but a lot of women can experience an intense orgasm from just putting a little bit of pressure on the pubic bone because that's putting pressure on the internal structure of the clitoris. And it's that internal structure where you're getting the that spasmodic stimulation that's causing the orgasm. Not completely, again, everybody's body is different. Every woman's body is different. Some women need the internal stimulation with the likes of the G-spot. And then speaking of the G-spot, it's a lot of people still wonder if it is actually a real thing or is it a myth? It's not a myth. It is a real thing. But it can be quite hard to find, whereas the clitoris is much easier to find because it is external. But with the clitoris, a lot of women don't, or not even just women, men, a lot of people don't realize that there are four quadrants to your clitoris. So you have your upper left, upper right, lower left, lower right quadrants. And you're going to be more sensitive in one of those areas than you are in the others. So it's getting to learn or getting to know your clitoris and where exactly it is that you are stimulated more. And then as well, it's getting to know what sort of pressure that you like and what sort of friction that you like and what sort of speed that you like. Again, it is different for every single woman. And even for every woman, you'll go through different phases where you want different things. And that's okay too. It's about learning to voice that to your intimate partners so that they know what they're doing and you know what you enjoy and amalgamating both of them together. But back to the G-spot. So the G-spot is not a myth (laughs) and it is internal now when it comes to the g-spot a lot of people are under the assumption that it's 
g-spot stimulation that will cause a female ejaculation that's actually not true it can enhance the the prospect of a female ejaculation but it it's not the cause of it the cause of the female ejaculation is the skein's gland and this is these are glands that are close to the uh, urethral opening and they have a they produce fluid that's quite similar to semen. And the skein's gland are actually like the female equivalent of the prostate gland. And they're located, like I said, they're located quite close to the urethral opening. But they're also in parallel with the G-spot. So by stimulating the G-spot, you are stimulating the skein's glands. But not every woman will produce as much fluid within the skein's glands as another woman. It's it again very individual. So if you're someone who has never actually had a female ejaculation, even with numerous attempts with stimulating the G spot, stimulating the clitoris, in internal stimulation, which is the G spot, I know. Um it's it could possibly be down to the fact that you don't actually secrete as much fluid or you don't produce as much fluid within the skein's gland as someone else does. Research has shown that only maybe 10 to 30% of women have actually ever experienced a female ejaculation. I'll be honest, I never have. And it wasn't for lack of trying. And trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. But just, it never happened. And... I'm putting that down to the fact that right, I'm someone who just doesn't produce the the fluid within the skin glands, and I'm like that. I'm okay with that. It's cool. It's not something that I need to have to experience. It's not something that I feel like that I'm missing out on. I when I have an orgasm, I enjoy my orgasms, and it's as simple as that. But when it comes to looking at your own self-pleasure it's something that you should look into is it something that could be possible for you if you're comfortable enough to talk to your partner about and definitely look into it and look into the likes of g-spot stimulation look into skeins this the skeins glands and even the bartholomus glands the those two glands are the glands that are creating that lubrication it's not actually your cervical mucus it's it's sexual um sexual lubrication from the bartholomus and the skein's glands if you're someone who wants to see if that you can have a female ejaculation go for it test the waters see what you can do see what you can come up with and by do like for a lot of women you will need several different types of stimulation between internal internal stimulation g-spot stimulation clitoral stimulation and then other erogenous zones, so the likes of your nipples, your neck, your lower back, your bum, all these areas are incorporated. It's learning what works best for you, because again, everybody's body is different. Not everybody likes the same things. But looking into it and seeing how you can go. And now I'm going on to the next topic, the vagina myths. There are so many of them. So the first one is vagina size. 
So a lot of people think that the size of your vagina depends on your build. There is no link between your height and build to the size of your vagina. And I know there used to be, I remember hearing this as a teenager, it was the size of your foot would be the size of your vagina and your birth canal. It's not true. Vaginas vary from person to person and there there is no standard vagina. Typically, what we're looking at, the size of your vagina will be 3.5 to 4.5 centimetres. One massive myth I have heard, yeah, it's a myth that I heard years ago and something that even up until recently, I was under the illusion of until I really delved into, now when I say recently, about two years ago, but when I really delved into the vaginal makeup was that you can be stretched. The only way a vagina can be stretched is from labour, from literally pushing a baby out of it. If you've ever been told by a man that you're too tight, it is purely from the fact that you're not relaxed enough. When women are aroused, sufficiently aroused, the uterus actually will pull upwards up into the pubic area or into the the pubic bone, into the pelvic area and which will then lengthen and widen your cervix and again lengthen and widen your vagina. And because the vaginal walls are made up of, a, a, there's a lot of elasticity within the vaginal walls, they're able to move they're able to contract and and lengthen as well. So again, if you've ever been told that you're too tight, it's not a matter that matter of that you're too tight. It's just that you're not comfortable. When you are under stress, the vaginal walls are going to constrict. So if you've ever been told by a man that he has stretched you out or that he has, quote unquote, ruined you for other men, it's not true. And believe me, that is not a true statement. The vaginal walls are very elastic and they do come back together. Not come back together, but they do contract again. The only way they can be permanently stretched out is through the likes of labour. And if a man has ever told you that, I am sorry that you had to hear that. But that is a myth. The next myth is healthy vaginas don't smell. All genitals have a natural odour and they're all very distinct to each and in each individual. The only time that you should be worried about the smell is if it's a fishy smell. When there's a fishy odour coming from your vagina, you're looking at possibly bacterial vaginosis. There's something going on there. But all vaginas have an odour and have a taste. Some are sweet, some are slightly salty. It 
all depends on what your diet is like. Your diet has a huge impact on the smell and taste of your secretions. If you want to try and sweeten it, pineapple, mango, watermelon and kiwis, they're your main go-tos. They really enhance the smell and taste of your vagina. But every vagina has an odor because there is a vaginal microbiome there, which is bacteria. Yes, good. there's good and bad bacteria. We always want to have more of a good bacteria than a bad bacteria, but it's still bacteria. So there's going to be a slight odor there, and that's normal. It's just when it does start smelling fishy, that's when there may be an issue, and I would recommend that you go to your doctor and get a swab done just to check. But don't be worrying about your smell. If you are worrying, work internally. Use your probiotics, use your fruits, and it will enhance your smell and taste. And speaking of bacterial vaginosis, this is my third myth. BV is not an STI. A lot of women, I think like up to 60% of women, think that BV is a sexually transmitted infection. It's not. It's an overgrowth of bad bacteria that's, again, that bacteria I was speaking about that's naturally found in the vagina and it occurs due to a pH imbalance and also due to a bacterial imbalance. Thrush would be your, again, myth number four. People think thrush is the most common infection. It's not. BV is actually the most common infection. But with both of them, it's down to an imbalance of certain bacteria within the vaginal microbiome. And with that, it's lactobacillus is the main bacteria, the healthy bacteria, which will stop the overgrowth of candida or other bacterias. So get a good probiotic that contains lactobacillus and that will help with the likes of your thrush or your bacterial vaginosis. And myth number five, possibly one of my favorite ones, (laughs) is that there is something wrong with your vagina if you have bleach stains on your underwear. This is something that when I was younger, I was like, oh my God, there is something wrong with me. My underwear was becoming discolored, like bleach. This is actually normal and this is actually healthy because your vagina should be at a pH of 3.5 to 4.5, which is an acidic pH. So if it is discoloring your underwear, Now, I think it's more of a thing in the last 20 years, 20, 30 years that it's becoming more common. I may be generalizing in saying this, actually, but I know for the likes of my mother's generation, they would have always had their white cotton underwear and all that. Whereas us, well, not me, myself, have all my different colored underwears. Specifically, I just love black. I wear black black on black on black is what I wear all the time and but with the black underwear there will be a bleach stain even after washing like they're clean and everything but this is a normal thing because your vaginal discharge should be acidic so it is going to have a natural dyeing effect on the color of your underwear 
So if this is something that you've noticed, it's normal. It is okay. There is no problem there. In fact, it is healthy. So stop panicking. And then my third and final topic to delve into tonight is the sacred feminine. And what is the sacred feminine? It's our yoni. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard the term yoni. But your yoni, so yoni is the Sanskrit word for female, female genitals, for the womb and the vagina. And it literally means sacred place. And it symbolizes our divine nature and its sacred portal to life. In ancient Taoist or ancient Chinese Taoist tradition, it's also referred to as the golden lotus or the gates of paradise or the sexual palace or precious pearl or treasure. When we look at our sacred space, our yonis, we're also looking at our own divine feminine knowing, our body's wisdom and intelligence as that sacred place. It's where we create life. It's where we create ideas. It's where we create nurturing. Our hearts create love, but our yonis express that love. When you think about it, when you are being intimate with someone, you are fully opening yourself up to let somebody inside of you. You are letting them into your most intimate area, your most vulnerable area. Through connection with the Oni, be it solo or with a partner, it can bring massive joy, but it can also bring you to places within yourself that you may find hard to go to. But opening up your yoni to a partner is showing true trust. I've spoken on this podcast many a time about my history with sex and my BTSM days and all that and I'm in the last few years I've become in the last say seven years I've become very aware around my uni and not wanting to just let anybody in not that there's anything wrong I am all for casual sex if you want to have casual sex have casual sex if it makes you feel good I'm all for that. But for me personally, I am very particular about whose energy I will let into my space because it is a sacred space. And I had to go through a lot of different things <clears throat> to, to fully understand that in my past. And even in the last couple of years, I'm... I'm rehealing my yoni from different experiences. 
I'm holding space for her. I'm showing her love. I'm showing her care. And I'm not being flippant about who I let inside of her. Because that is my most sacred space. And it's not about morals. It's not about judgment. It's not about anything. Like I said, if you're someone who likes to have casual sex and you enjoy it, then do that. But for me personally, because I abandoned her. And that was something that I really had to look at over the last six months was that I abandoned my sacred space. And I'm now very, I was conscious of it a few years ago, but I'm even more conscious of it now. And I'm learning to hold that space for her. And I'm learning to let her heal. And to move forward and actually listening to her. Our intuition comes from our yonis. Our intuition comes from our sacral chakras. And it's when we tap into that, that we can really connect. There's a direct link between our sacral chakra and our throat chakras. And more often than not, what you will see, what you will see actually is with women who have thyroid dysfunction, is that there has been a sexual trauma of some sort. Um, because they lose their voice. And that's due to the link of the sacral chakra and throat chakra. So learning to... A, a dual effect. Learning to speak your truth, to get your voice back. But also to hold space for your yoni. Hold divine space really can help the healing process. Knowing when you can actually speak your truth, when you can voice what it is that you want and don't want, even if it's in a situation that you don't feel 100% comfortable with saying yes or no or whatever. But it's being there for yourself in that moment. And listening to your yoni. Does your yoni actually want this? And your body will tell you. If you're sore. If you're tight. If you're uncomfortable. Your your body. Your yoni is telling you that it doesn't want it. it. Whereas on the other hand. If you are fluid. And lubricated. And excited. She will stretch. And she will open to receive. That love that she wants. That physical, intimate love. It's learning to connect the dots between your yoni and your truth and your voice. It's something that I've been doing a lot. And it's serving its purpose and it's it's helping me heal certain aspects of my life. And just connecting in with that sacred feminine, that divine element of myself. And connecting back in with that power of our vaginas or of my vagina.
she really is a powerful thing. Like what Betty White said, don't grow a pair of balls, grow a vagina. She can take a pounding. She may be able to take a pounding, but... It's letting her soften to let somebody in. Fully and wholeheartedly. So that's this week's episode on Orla's Happy Hormones. I hope you enjoyed. I hope I didn't bore you with the amount of times that I said vagina. This week has been... It's funny, I'd planned on doing... Like, I, I had all my posts written for this episode a couple of weeks ago. I actually had a different podcast on vaginas recorded. And then today, when I went to upload it, it everything crashed on me. The Not that everything crashed me, the podcast was gone. It, like, deleted itself. I have no idea where it went to. But I think it was apt because I had a very special day today with creating a healing space for my yoni. So maybe this episode was was more apt than the one that I had pre-recorded. I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, lately it's something that I'm really connecting in with is just that healing element of my divine self. So I hope it has connected with you on some level. And if you liked it, please feel free to leave a comment or review it or leave a review. Whatever. Or even just give me a DM. So for now, happy hormones. Happy weekend. And take a few moments to just sit with your yoni. Sure, a bit of love. <laughs>